the tin man's singular desire is to be given a heart. He wants nothing more. He wants a heart more than he wants a brain. He's convinced that a heart can lead him in life. And, and if he does finally get a brain someday, his heart will communicate to his brain on how he is to live, to give himself to the world. When I was a young boy, I couldn't quite understand this. It bothered me in the movie that someone could be alive without a heart. You need a heart in order to be alive, don't you? I guess for some reason, I, I believed you could, not have, you could not have a brain and still be alive. But the heart thing was a serious issue for me. After all, we, we've just spent the last couple of weeks witnessing an amazing story about DeMar Hamlin, the Buffalo Bills football player whose heart apparently stopped in the middle of a fairly routine play on the field. We were amazed to watch as the trainers and the EMTs all rushed onto the field to, to save his life. And later, he was taken quickly over to, to the uh, emergency room where uh, the doctors and nurses and others came to care for him. We celebrated when he finally left the hospital in Buffalo where he'd been transferred to so he could go home and continue to recover. It's an amazing story, and really it's the best kind of story. It's a story that reminds us of what matters the most. Now, I know that hundreds, even thousands of people in the last two weeks have experienced similar difficult stories, difficult moments, pain and, and, and endurance and, and more. But what this singular story did was it reminds us that the United States of America still has a heart. We seem to be divided as far as east is from west in our land in these days, but in this one life we saw a reflection of ourselves at our best caring for one in need, hoping and praying that he would find life again. That's what the best stories do, don't they? They remind us, the best stories, the best myths, the best fairy tales, remind us of the things that matter the most, of who we truly are and who we've been called to be. I love the movie Star Wars when it came out in 1977. It was filled with talking robots and lightsabers and spaceships that could go at the speed of light. It was amazing. But when you strip all that away, it was an old-fashioned tale about the battle between good and evil. Oz, the Wizard of Oz, is a great fairy tale, an even greater myth that reminds us of what really matters the most having a place that we can call home, where we're loved and accepted no matter what, of, of using our minds in the best, to the best of our abilities to make the world a better place, recognizing that courage has nothing to do with bravado and machoism or any of that nonsense, but is rather going forward in faith even when fear is overwhelming us. That's what courage is. And of course, the Tin Man on this day helps us remember to wear our hearts on our sleeve to guide us in this life. By the way, at the 9 and 10 a.m. services, I mentioned that if anyone knows where that phrase came from, to wear one's heart on the sleeve, I said, please tell me. At the 10 o'clock service, somebody came to the line and said to me, it's his understanding that in the days of the nights, uh, that when they would go into battle, Oftentimes, they would wrap a token, a symbol of their loved one on their arm to remind them of the love waiting for them back at home. Now, I said, if that's not true, I'm going to blame him. <laughs> but I kind of like that idea that you put that token of love on your sleeve. You put your heart on your sleeve to remind you of who you are 
and who you love, and to put love forward first and always. The Tin Man, really, if we watch his story, we carefully pay attention to him, we see he has a heart. He has a heart. Everything he does in, in, uh, in the journey on the Yellow Brick Road to the Emerald City is compelled by his heart, by love, the way he gives himself to his companions to step in the way of, 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 of evil and fear and worry and, and more. It's a beautiful tale. In fact, I, I read last week a blog by a lay member of a church, of a Methodist church, who is leading his church's discipleship program. They've titled it this year, Learning to Love. And he uses the Tin Man as his example on how we are to learn to love. Let's put his words up on the screen so you can see them. The Tin Man had it right. A heart, the ability to love, is what makes a life worthwhile. Do you hear how clear that is? The ability to love is what makes life worthwhile. Not a mention of a big car or a big boat, nothing about a fancy house or an important job or a perfect spouse. And if you've got a perfect spouse, I'd like to meet them, please. I've not met one yet. It's not those things. It's the ability to love. Later in the blog, he, he quotes from L. Frank Baum, the original author of the first Wizard of Oz stories and that, who wrote several Wizard of Oz books. Let's hear from Mr. Baum as well. He's speaking here as the Tin Man. I shall take the heart, for brains do not make one happy, and happiness is the best thing in the world. We might quibble a bit with his understanding of happiness, but nonetheless, his point is well said. He'll take a heart over brains, because his heart can inform his mind. In my experience, too many of us keep our hearts disconnected from our minds, disconnected from our thoughts, never once making its way into the recesses of our brains. Maybe it's time to go with the Tin Man and pay attention. And as I said, if you watch his story, you see that the love that he has, it does indeed compel him to act courageously. I did some reading this week to try to find if Brene Brown, who writes so much about courage, this, the, the researcher who's written so much about courage and where it comes from, to see if she's ever made this connection with the Tin Man. I, I couldn't find anything, it's, but it's Brene Brown who informs us that the word courage has at its root the French or Latin word cour, which literally means heart. He gives his heart in the name of courage. In fact, when he meets... Dorothy and the Scarecrow, the immediate bond uh, is formed between the, the three of them. And then he takes, he puts his own life in danger to save them. Let's watch this clip from the show. Well, suppose the wizard wouldn't give me one when we got there. Oh, but he will. He must. We've come such a long way already. <laughs> Helping the little lady along, are you, my fine gentleman? Well, stay away from her, or I'll stuff a mattress with you. And you, I'll use you for a behind. Here, Scarecrow, want to play ball?
apologies to those of you who think the Wicked Witch is the frightening, most frightening moment in the, in the entire movie. L- last week when I mentioned, after the service was over, I'd mentioned in the previous sermon that my, my brother, as a child and even as an adult, was always afraid of the flying monkeys. Many of you afterwards said it wasn't the monkeys, it was the Wicked Witch. So if this was a traumatic moment for you, Tim and Sarah are here to meet with you afterwards and provide you with pastoral care. Do you see what happened? There's fire, there's danger, his friend is about to lose his life. He gives his own self to protect him, to take it on, to cover that fire. It's a beautiful moment. And yet the tin man continues to believe that he doesn't have a heart. That he doesn't have what it takes to love when everything about him shows that the opposite is true. Maybe this is some reluctance on his part. Maybe this demonstrates he wants to maybe keep his heart carefully covered. Have you ever held love back from someone, afraid that your heart might be broken? Have you ever uh, put up a a metaphorical fence or a, a brick wall around your heart to keep it safe, to keep it from never, never being harmed? Have you ever, and why is that? Well, maybe like the Tin Man, it's a curious mix of fear, anxiety, worry, and and doubt even. You know, the Tin Man in the original book is in danger all the time because he he does have such a heart for everything and everyone that he's constantly crying. At at one point in one of the early stories, somebody steps on a bug and it breaks the Tin Man's heart that the little bug has lost its life and he begins to cry. And as a result of his tears, he almost rusts up again. It's a beautiful thing to see love at work. When Jesus writes, or when Jesus meets with his disciples, as Tim said in the reading that we just heard, they're in the upper room. It's the night he will be betrayed, arrested, and taken to the cross. You can feel the fear in the room. And yet, Jesus speaks to his friends. His disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. It's a, it's a beautiful moment in the text. It's a, way, it's a way for him to say to them in the words of Fred Craddock, now no matter what happens to me, whatever happens to me next, does not define who we are, does not define who I am. It will not be the defeat of evil over love. No, it will not be. What will, it will be is a sign that God's love compels us to go forward in faith even when it feels as though we're overwhelmed with sadness and sorrow and worry and even evil is there. It's a powerful word. What, what Jesus is saying is, you are not defined by your wins and your losses. At the end, you are still, whether you've won or lost, at the end, you are still a loved child of God. You and I are, are still held in the arms of God in the name of love. It's a powerful word. And it makes me wonder, if faith and doubt aren't in some ways two sides of the same coin, perhaps doubt can even help us find a new way of faith. It's writer, theologian, and pastor Brian McLaren who says that faith before doubt is believing the right things. I grew up in a church like that. 
These are the things you need to believe. If you believe all these things, you will discover faith. It's important that we sign our names at the end of this list of belief statements. McLaren says that faith after doubt opens the door to revolutionary love. That's what the yellow brick road is. It's about these four travelers together on their way to discover a revolutionary love. Oh, I know, they're on their way to the Emerald City, but what they're going to find there is not only a heart, a brain, courage, they'll also find that everything they needed in their lives was already there. Dorothy already knows the way to home. It's already been a part of who she is. This revolutionary love invites us to live our lives in a way that looks beyond those simplistic things, those things that cause us to stumble and fall down. This revolutionary love invites us to give ourselves deeply to each other in ways that we might not without that love. My friend Tom R. is a pastor in, in Kansas City. He called my attention to a story by Professor Tom Long. Professor Long was driving home one day in traffic, through a neighborhood on his way to his house when he looked off to the left and he saw a, a man carrying a woman and taking that first step over the threshold into their home. He assumed, presumed it was their home. He, he watched them and, and could see them and, and he thought, oh, isn't that beautiful? They've, they've just come home from their wedding ceremony or they've just returned from their, their honeymoon and here he is taking that very first step toward their married lives together, toward their home but then the traffic kind of backed up and stalled and he had a longer time to continue to look at the couple and he could see that they were much older than he thought. Both of them were graying. And as he continued to struggle with his wife, presuming so, Professor Long could see that there was a wheelchair. Indeed, he had lifted her from the wheelchair to carry her in it wasn't the first step. It was perhaps thousands of steps. One of many of thousands of steps to carry her forward. My friend Tamar, who told me about it, he said, you, you know, if you look at this story, it might look like that was his job. It might look like he was just doing the right thing to do the right thing. But in my mind, Tom said to me, in my mind, it was an act of love. He was compelled by love to carry, him for, to carry her forward. Think about this. I'm certain every one of us will have at least one moment, if not many, when you will be called on because of your love for another, when you will be called on to do something difficult, to do something hard, most of the times those things will be done in anonymity. No one will see them. No one will know about them. But if you have a heart full of love, there will be a hard day if not many. My friend Fred Craddock, who I quoted earlier, uh, gave a sermon once where he said he, he dreamed when he was a young boy of growing up to be a great hero of the faith. He, he imagined what it might be like someday as he became an adult to give his life in the name of Jesus, to do some amazing saving act in the name of Jesus' love, to, to demonstrate to the world this is what it means to follow Jesus. He, and, and if he would do this, then they would erect a statue to him and, and people would walk by it and say, oh, there's Freddie the Great. Of course, never happened. Instead, what happened? 
he says, was I found myself with opportunities to give a little here, to give a little there. Nothing heroic, nothing front page worthy, but a kind word, an open door, a sweet thought for a server at a restaurant, a little here, a little there, a little someplace else. Most of what you and I do that the world needs is not up front, on camera, it's those kind words, those gentle ones. What does is, what is the Tin Man sing in his signature song? If I only had a heart, if I only had a heart, I'd be kind, I'd be gentle. But that's enough. Kind and gentle. Do you remember the lyric from the, a song by the group America back in the 70s? I can see there's some people who remember the 70s. Do, do you remember this lyric? Oz didn't give nothing to the tin man that he didn't, didn't already have. And God hasn't given you anything that you don't already have. I believe this has been true since the beginning of time. Earlier in the worship service today, we heard from the prophet Jeremiah, who hears God's voice saying to him to compel his people, the people who've forgotten their way, the people who've fallen away from love, who are, are worried about power and control and military might and all kinds of other things. And Jeremiah says for God, on behalf of God to the people, no longer I'm gonna wait for you to know my law. No longer am I gonna wait for you to understand what it means to love. No, I'm going to write my law in your heart. Literally in the Hebrew, the word for right means cut. Do you hear what Jeremiah is saying on behalf of God? God's going to cut open our hearts. God's going to break our hearts in order to place God's love there, that it might then compel us to live in the way of Christ. I believe that gift was given not after Jeremiah pronounced it, but, but millennia before, at the beginning of time, God, when your heart was created, when every heart was created, God broke into it, cut into it, and placed the gift of love if that's true, and I believe with all my heart that it is true, if it's true and it is, then the question is this. Will we love? Will we love? Will we love in the way that God calls us, in the way that the Christ compels us, in the way that the Spirit moves us? Will we love? Amen.